Second period of play nicely underway here. The Halford and Bruff show everything you want in the morning show, except Halford and Bruff. They'll be back next week. I'm Brooke Ward. Josh Elliott-Wolf is here. a Dog, Laddie, riding shotgun, making sure we keep the train on the rails. Just ahead of another hour here of Halford and Bruff. And it's brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit Campbell-Pound.com today. And the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. If you did nothing else this weekend, you should get some pizza at AJ's. Because check the menu. If you haven't been there, what's the matter with you? And check out their website. Oh, you can taste it. You can smell it on the website, which ought to be something. That ought to be a thing, actually, when it comes to the internet. Uh, AJ from AJ's Pizza is with us. Thank you, AJ. How you doing, my friend? I am great. How are you? Although I am just as disturbed as you, as who leaves a baby in a car? Not the baby in a car in New Jersey. What? Like, what? Right. First of all, I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> okay. Born and raised. Would you are leave you a baby in a car? Yeah. I wouldn't. <laughs> never. That was, that was disturbing. Wow. We were just talking off air that maybe that was the plan. Maybe the, the mom came back and went, damn, the baby's still here. <laughs> totally that was yeah that was that was very funny my but yes russell wilson russell wilson is done for sure yeah gone buried dead and buried gone and I now what so now i don't what? know i don't know how are you guys by the way we're both swell josh looks, he looks swell thank you again i was on your uh, website yesterday aj's brooklyn pizza joint love the name and i'm thinking maybe that's anything have you guys been in though i have not been in i have it was wonderful I, I could. Well, that's that, that's always good to hear. I will be shortly, but I really think the next computer phase should be uh, smells, and because uh, you got sounds, you got you got sight. How about the smell? If I you get the smell <laughs> of the pizza, coming I believe <laughs> that would be awesome. That's yeah, you, for sure. Be the first ones. You know, how about those Blue Jays? By the way, I understand you're big <laughs> on them. <laughs> Just ask Gladdy. Is he say, Laddie, you have to chime in a bit. Yeah, right I told now. him about your big Blue Jays fandom, AJ. I let him know. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, he's, he told me how upset you were when Otani did not land there. Literally. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I, um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, there's still a lot of chips to fall, right, for everybody's team. There's still some Blake Snell. There's there, there's a couple guys out there that, that the Blue Jays could still be on. So, we'll see. You're Brooklyn from Brooklyn, so who, who, Who's I your, am. Who's your team? I am. Uh, I'm the Yankee fan. I'm a. I'm, I'm a Yankee fan. I'm a Ranger fan. You know. I mean, that's just what. All that's of just what happens. Are you? Uh, can you give us a lowdown on uh, Isaiah Kiner Falefa? Ah, uh, you know what? He's. He. I. I. I love the guy. I think you guys got a great uh, versatile player. To be honest, I, I. I. He can. He can play everywhere. I think he's. A, I think he's. He's. He's a clutch hitter. No, I like him. I think he's. I think he's going to be great for you. I think you'll be very happy with that. Laddie, you'll be very happy with that. Laddie's all over the. He's wearing a Jays shirt, by the way, right now as we speak. Of course he is. Of course he is. He did that on purpose. Yeah, ban him from the pizza joint. (laughs) Right, Laddie. When was the last time you were in? Uh, I was when I met you. That was the last time I was there. I, I live in Ladner, so it's a big trek if I'm going to go yeah. out to AJ's. I That's gotta, fair. That's yeah. okay. You don't want to wear that J stuff in no, there, though. It's frowned upon. Dare. It's no, frowned. everybody's everybody's allowed to wear with the the team they cheer for. Last last night was a tough one. I was at the I was at the Canuck game. The uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, you know, I think probably I think probably what it was going to be right. I mean, tough to be home and 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 tough to tough little little stretch that they were off, and then obviously they were. You know they were a little sluggish, 
So that's okay. They'll bounce back. Well, Quinn Hughes said after the game, we had a, you know, we had a bad second period. So what are you going to do? And right, I thought that's right. the quote of the season. What are you going to do? Well, <laughs> well, Quinn, I got a few suggestions for you, but I don't you know. Should if... have, you should have called Dan Brooke. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, hey, by the way, quick, and then we're going to move on here and find out Go what's ahead. what's cooking. What's cooking literally at uh, AJ's Pizza. How come the Yankees uh, were not in on the hunt for Otani? Because they're in on – I know the Dodgers, I thought, was the obvious favorite, but the Yanks weren't in on it. I think they were really trying to go after that, the pitcher. Mm. Which I have to be honest, I, I was okay that they didn't – the guy's never thrown a pitch in MLB. And, and no disrespect to the, to the, you know, to the, to the league over there, but I, 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 I think they, they just were never going to give Otani that money, and, and, and I was okay with that. I just don't know if he's I, – I don't know if you can hit and pitch in today's MLB. I mean, the other guys are just so good. Mm. Long-term, too. And he can't pitch, yeah, can't pitch next year anyway. So, But long-term, can you keep – Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Long-term, can you keep doing it? I don't know. Short-term, you look pretty good. But, yeah, and I can't pitch for a year anyway. What's shaking? What if I'm going to AJ's Brooklyn Pizza Joint, and why wouldn't I – What's cooking this week? Well, we got well, we got the Cowboys tomorrow. Sadly, my team, as 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 Halford and Bruff know. Um, uh, and then, yeah, New Year's Eve. I mean, we'll be open. We'll be open past midnight. It'll be it'll be wild, slinging pizzas, having fun, and and <laughs> and getting ready. You know, a, after a great year, which which I'm very thankful for. Um, uh, yeah, it'll just like like always a fun weekend. So. Yeah. First come, first serve, New Year's Eve? Or... First come, first serve, yes. Great. Are you usually packed? Yes. How early, are, What are. time do I want to get there? Uh, 9 a.m. Exactly. Kidding me, right? right. Door, doors open 1130 on, 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 on New Year's Eve. So, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun time. What's uh, And I'm going to let you go here, my brother, but just really quick. Can I make a good pizza at home in just a regular oven, or do I need a pizza oven, and what's no, the difference? You, no, you totally can. You can. You know what? You can just make sure you have a pizza stone, preheat your oven to 500 degrees for, for you know, probably for a couple hours, and then just come by AJ's and get an AJ's dough. There you go. You read my <laughs> mind. I was going right. to say, would, would you have Delicio or Dr. Oker or anything like that if you had to at home? No, you would start I, with dough. No, you would just start with dough. The dough is the key. The, the dough is the start, and then obviously obviously sauce after that, but the dough is the key for, for a great pizza. Awesome, buddy. See what I'm learning today? Thank you. And don't leave a baby in a car. Yes, and do not leave a baby in a car. I'm, I am. I am. I can't get that vision out of my head. Me so. neither. Thanks, AJ. Appreciate it, yeah, pal. Thank you, guys. Hey, hey happy new year, and 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 safe and happy and enjoy a pleasure to telephone meet you and yeah uh, you too you know it Ben. double cheese i like the cheese. Right, yeah i love it take care <laughs> thanks bro that's aj double cheese from aj's uh brooklyn pizza joint say what james reddy's in sweden look at that we went from uh one pizza pie to another basically aj's pizza by the way aj's brooklyn pizza joint check it out into sweden where shane malloy is with us from sirius xm i haven't talked to you in a long time shane how you doing pal how you doing brooke yeah absolutely right. uh, i don't know if the listeners know but brooke and i have known each other for oh god well over 20 years easy so, yeah it's been a long time easy, easy yeah i've had people mm. go further away before they talk to me by the way you just went to sweden get as far away from me as possible 
Why? You're well, fun. Well, thanks, bud. Thanks for saying that. But I, I note that you still left and went. I'll talk to Brooke when I'm in Sweden. Never local. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, course. anyway, pal, uh, thanks for doing this big game today, uh, Canada and Sweden. What do you think as you head into this one? The Swedes coming off a win last night as well. Well, certainly it's going to be the barometer game of who's going to take this pool. And then that dictates, you know, what position you're in. And if you win the pool, you're playing fourth on the other side of the pool. And that just makes your life so much easier going into the quarterfinals. You know, there's never really a soft game in the quarterfinals, but I'm sure you'd rather play potentially one of the lesser light teams if you're Canada. So this is a huge game. And it also sets the stage to figure out, like, where your game at in terms of, okay, what do we need to do next? Like, is our game where we want it to be or is it not? So I think for both Sweden and Canada, it's going to be massive. And that building is going to be rocking. So I'm looking forward to that. I think some fans here are maybe a little conflicted, as obviously a lot of uh, Team Canada fans, but also Team Sweden with the three Canuck prospects, Tom Willander, the other Elias Pettersson, and uh, Jonathan Lekaramaki. What have you thought of their tournament so far, and, and what do you want to see from them as this tournament rolls on? Well, in terms of Lekaramaki, right off the hop, it's just nice to see him healthy, and he's back at his game. His game is to skate and to find soft ice to get that shot away and be dangerous. It's to be almost invisible in the offensive zone so that he can present his stick and get that shot away quickly and be the goal scorer that the Vancouver Canucks drafted him for. And I think this whole year has been you know, a big step in terms of his development, of just getting back to who he is and his identity. And it's, it's hard for young prospects when they're going through injuries is to just get back into that comfort zone where you're not thinking anymore and you're just playing. And, you know, I know it's only two games, but from my observations, I thought he just, he's back into his group, which I think is really important. And then for the two defensemen, what's really interesting sometimes that happens in, in these tournaments is the coaching staff and the management staff ask you to play a specific role based on your skill sets. So I think both, you know, Elise Pedersen and for Tom Willander is that they're so smart defensively that can you guys be the insulators for the more offensively minded defensemen? And because obviously with Wilander's skating ability, he has that, you know, that specific skill to take, you know, to not only take away time and space from the opposition, but when he's in puck retrieval is to create time and space, not only for himself, but his defense partner, um, and then get that puck away or move the puck up the ice or skate up the, you know, the puck up the ice and create some odd man rushes in that respect. And that's the one thing I really appreciate about, you know, Wilander is, He's such a sublime skater that it's such a great skill set at these events. And then for Patterson, it's just like, keep it simple. Again, and he's smart around the net. You know, he takes away time and space. He's got range. You know, he makes guys like he's not a punisher, but he's competitive. And I think those are the things that the Canucks staff are going to be obviously looking for. I bumped into a couple of the scouts on the way into the rink. So, you know, so far they seem pretty pleased with all three players and what they've done. And it's early in the tournament, so we'll see what happens tonight. I think for a lot of fans, they put more stock into these tournaments as well, naturally, just because it's for a lot of the Swedish prospects, especially, it can be the only time they get to see them play, uh, whether it's on TV or live. And um, 
how much stock do like teams put into tournaments like this? Because generally it's, it's what a seven game sample size, maybe a little more, maybe a little less uh, compared to whatever their whole season is in Europe or in, in NCAA. So how much stock are teams putting into the world junior and, and a player's performance? Well, it's, it's less than I think the fan base really thinks. And it's also based on context and nuance because they're playing within their peer group. So, I mean, yes, Tom Willander is obviously in college, although there are some much older players in, in Hockey East and comparative to the CHL, of course. But then you look at, you know, the kids that are playing back in their home countries, you know, they're playing against men, you know, or, or much older, bigger, faster, stronger players. So it's just a way to take a look at the player within their peer group and where are they versus that group. And then, you know, make a judgment based on that in a small tournament with a lot of, you know, emotional turmoil. Like these kids go on a bit of a roller coaster ride. And this is where, for me and for NHL teams, what you want to see is how they handle duress, how they handle the stress of the situation, and whether they um, feel pressure. Because from my perspective, pressure is really self-inflicted. It gets, it gets, you get caught up in the result instead of really sticking to your process. And you can notice the body language of players and how they react when things go badly, whether they're letting the result of, of a situation get ahead of themselves instead of just sticking to the process of your next shift. And even if something goes wrong, have the memory of a goldfish, forget about it, and just get right back to your game. So when I, when I watch prospects in this situation, that's what I really look forward to. And I like to see what their game is away from the puck. Because I think sometimes we forget, or we get mesmerized by puck skills and, and shots and passing ability. But you look, especially defensemen, they may have the puck of 60 minutes, maybe 1% of the time or 2% of the time, which you know, equates to 36 seconds or you know, a minute and 12. So they really don't have the puck that much. So it's really about what do you do in a, away from the puck to help your team be successful. You're watching guys too. If it's a five nothing game, maybe there's not not a lot of pressure on the guys. You get a three two game or a two all game. You get in overtime, the late stages. Now that pressure ramps up. You're going to learn more about a player maybe in a two all game than you are in a four nothing game, aren't you? Sometimes it depends on which side of the coin, I guess, that those players are on. But there's also you want to see consistency in a player. So yes, you're, maybe your team's winning four nothing, but are you taking like foot off the pedal? Are you, you know, having longer shifts? Are you not paying attention to detail? Because then you start having bad habits creep into your game and you don't want that to happen. So because young players are consistently inconsistent, regardless of their first round picks or not, it's just they're so very, very young in their development, particularly, you know, in their brain development. Most males don't finish developing until they're about 23, 24 years of age, higher reason decision-making. I have still working on it, like, Probably, you you know, if, if anybody's met Brooke and, and myself, you know, we're still waiting for that to finish evolving. <laughs> but, you know, for young players, you know, that's a, it's a really big aspect of their game. And sometimes, you know, from an outside perspective, we put too much um, pressure on them or ex- our expectations are not, you know, realistic to basically where they are in terms of their development. Yes, they're bigger and faster and they can play the ho- game of hockey, but, you know, their brains still haven't caught up yet, which is why we even see that at the NHL level with young players. One game they look great, and the next game you're like, who is this player? And that happens more often at the World Juniors. That's why it makes the tournament exciting. Lots of mistakes. 
Shane Malloy is with us, Sirius XM. He is in Sweden as we speak, so clearly it's a collect phone call to hear at uh, Sportsnet 650. And uh, as it should be, my brother, Canada and Sweden coming up today. Celebrini, the accolades, well worth it for him? How much attention is he getting there from the fans, the media, etc.? Well, certainly a considerable amount, and it's well-deserved. And main reason, because I think he just plays such a smart, well-rounded game, uh, particularly at that age, and that's really impressive. Uh, as much as you know, he's offensively talented, he's one of those players, and, and it's not, it doesn't happen very often with most, even if you're an elite player, to be so dialed in away from the puck. Like, it's really, it's, it's not lip service when he says, I'm like, it's, this is really important to me because he likes to emulate Jonathan Taves. So that's the t- type of player he wants to be. So for him, it's something that he really takes pride in. So, um, you know, great for him. And he's, he's taking the bull by the horn. So we'll see what happens tonight. He's going to be up, a, up against a really tough defense core, very mobile, very skilled, very intelligent with the Swedes. So it's going to be a challenge for him. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, I was going to say, this kind of feels like the, the test for both sides, and you kind of mentioned it, but it's the it's the test for both sides in terms of they haven't really played uh, a team like they're about to play. And for someone like Macklin Celebrini, who's a little younger than some other players at the tournament, how, how big of a challenge can that be? Well, you know, he's fortunate because he plays in college hockey and Hockey East. He generally faces players on average that are 21, in some cases 22. So, you know, you know, it's a big difference between whether he'd be playing in the CHL where the average age is about 18. That two- to three-year age difference is massive. Bigger, faster, stronger, more mature in terms of the game off puck. So I think for him, it's not as big as an adjustment if it would have been if he had played strictly in the CHL. So I don't expect, and I really shouldn't have expectations because you really should just watch and see what happens, but I'd be, I would be – probably a little bit surprised if he had a lot of challenges. I mean, look, the defensemen are going to be all over him and he's going to have less time and space. So how does he adjust to that? And that'll be curious. And then how he matches up against some really good forwards and, and centermen on Sweden's side too as well. So that'll be a matchup for him defensively, which will be interesting to watch as well. Who's flying under the radar for Canada over there so far? Is it too early to tell? Uh, a little bit too early to tell. I think today's game is really going to set the stage in terms of okay, who is the player that is sort of standing out that nobody's really sort of paying attention to? In that respect, I like kind of get to game three before I kind of figure out, okay, you know, who's playing really well but hasn't really, you know, isn't being talked about as all. And we tend to talk about, the, obviously, the, the guys who produce points. But I'm curious to see, you know, whether certain guys will take their game to the next level. And, you know, if I had to choose, I'm, maybe it's uh, – I don't know. I'm curious. It's, it's tough Savoy. to. Sorry, buddy. Go. And maybe Matt Savoy could, you know, use a few more points. But for me, it's just like, okay, what does he do off puck more than anything? So, but tonight's going to be a big challenge for Team Canada. Like I, this is going to be a fantastic game. I'm really looking forward to it. I was going to say, I mean, five two over Finland. You had Finland. You had Latvia. You're not really. I'm asking you who's flying under the radar. Kind of tough to tell again in those two games. Certainly, you'll learn a lot more today. Three thousand Canadian fans are there, or so. How cool is that, too? Because you can sure hear them when they uh, when they're cheering, my friend. 
Well, it's fantastic. It's one of the advantages I happen to like when the tournament's in Europe is that more European fans come from different nations. It's just obviously easier travel. So it makes it a more diverse group of fan bases. And it's great to have the Canadian fans there because, you know, there are some fan groups that will cheer just as loud and to be just as crazy. And I'm pointing to the Latvians. Latvians may be one of the funnest group of fans to ever go to a game with whether it's pre-game or it's like at the game or post-game when they really dial it up, uh, they're fantastic and they make the atmosphere so much better. So the, uh, the Canadians are going to be in full force, though. Um, so I expect that the uh, the Swedes are going to have to push against them hmm. if Canada gets up in this game because they're going to be loud. They're going to be really loud. Shane, buddy, thank you so much for doing this. Great to talk to you again. And enjoy, how can you not, enjoy the rest of the tournament there in Sweden. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely, gentlemen. Have a great day. Shall do. Shane Malloy, Sirius XM, and a seriously good guy, too. He's at the World Juniors, Canada and Sweden at 10.30 this morning. It's still weird to me that there's, it just feels odd, that there's no Russians, obviously, still. I keep sort of, I, I forget at times, mm-hmm. Josh, that the Russians have been barred from this international competition and whatnot. Because, obviously, if their players are there, they make a big difference. But it's interesting looking down the teams that are there and the teams that are not there. So, I get it, but it is strange to look up the World Juniors and not see the Russians. I feel like it'll uh, be even more evident as well once we hit the – if the NHL players do go to the Olympics. Mm. Um, because, I mean, we haven't seen a best-on-best best tournament. And then, obviously, uh, a country who has a lot of talent is going to be out of that as well. So, that uh, it, you definitely feel it and – uh missing from the tournament you do feel about it i i, I get why it mm-hmm. just is strange that uh it, it's odd odds better word probably than strange not to see the russians team floating around in the international competition as, as well as a side vote jay fresh from twitter uh there was a fan poll of uh, the top the, the roster for team canada for 2024 the projected roster a fan poll so voted in uh but the top four centers for team canada are mcdavid mckinnon crosby and bedard those are your four C's for Team Canada. Like, just imagine that. Like, as weak as Canada's goaltending is, and as suspect as it can be at times. But I mean, that top four, like that, is without a doubt the best four C's you can line up. It's insane. Like that, it's an embarrassment of riches. For uh, comparison, the U.S. because that was uh, put out as well would be uh, Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, Jack Hughes. And Tage Thompson, I guess. Which is still very good. And actually, on the show last week, before the guys went on vacation, we were actually saying how we would probably pick US, USA to beat Canada in a best-on-best tourney right now, just based on their depth. Like, they have maybe not quite as good of a forward group, but they're just as good on D or better, and Mm -hmm. they have way better goaltending. We were all probably picking USA to beat Canada, but it would be close. But but then again, when you look at Canada's forward depth, especially at sea, it's absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. It often, as as we all know, it often comes down to who's between the pipes. So well, that, that's the thing, the, is and Can- it's a big advantage. Right Canada's now. goaltending just isn't very strong, and well, USA's on. is fantastic. Hold on, Aiden Hill second in the league this year in goal saved above expected. Tristan Jari eighth. That's two in the top ten right there. Yeah, but who mm-hmm. are the, who is the U.S. goalies? I know, but it's. I think people are just going off the name recognition at this point. But you look at the recent numbers, and Canada's not May, that far I, off. Hey, maybe it's enough. Maybe it's enough. But USA's goaltending, like the, the, their top three, is just pretty pretty ridiculous. I think it's vastly better. I got to get those other guys to prove themselves too at an international level. Not that Demko has as an example, et cetera, et cetera. But mm-hmm. and I see more Demko, so that's unfair. If Adam Hill was playing here, maybe I'm 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 
running up that hill. He's a Comox boy. How do you not but, root uh, for a guy like you that? You know, I root for a lot of people, but uh, I'm impartial media. I'm media, media impartially. When it comes to BC, vested. No, I don't care. I'm impartial. Really? Yeah. I don't care who wins any game, any game, ever, unfortunately. Brooks and old school. What the business has beat out of me actually over yeah. the years, which kind of it's taken the fan the the biggest so many luxuries of being in this business over the years, and so many things and people you've interviewed and things you've done that I never would have, and, and I'm way lower on the pedestal than many others, but I just never would have dreamed of having the opportunities that I've had. Yet, at the same respect, what it takes out of you is the fan. I would I don't want to go to a Canuck game, and I just want to go sit in the press box, not talk to anybody, other than if it's us guys and we're making small talk. I don't want to sit in the stands. I don't want to, I don't, you know, I don't care who wins. I care if it benefits me, if it means that I'm getting paid by the game and the, and yeah, I know it's true. I know. Selfish. I'm still still reminded from time to time (laughs) when I'm in the box and uh, my very first time at the press box several years ago, pre-pandemic now. uh, And uh, I had never been there before. I didn't know the protocol. And I think I lightly cheered under my breath when the Canucks scored and oh. Jay Pat was sitting right next to me and he just looked at me like, you stop that. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> you don't cheer. And I'm like, what? Yeah. No, it takes the fan out of you. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. So I, I yeah. totally understand what you're saying. And you not should to... have brought the rally towel to the press <laughs> I shouldn't have yeah. really... no. shouldn't have wear the giant foam no. hat. I think that was yeah. a mistake. When I was a kid, I was early in the press box in the early 80s and Tiger Williams and Billy Smith were having uh, conversations off ice about who's going to do this, who's going to do that because Smith was always hacking guys and he hacked Tiger and Tiger turned around and jumped on him and started pounding. I'm a young guy in the press box I stood up and was just about and I mean stood up and was just about and I realized oh I can't do this yeah. I sat back down slowly <laughs> well yeah you don't so, think about it it's, 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 so and I don't mean it as callous as say I care who wins if it benefits me but let's just say if uh, the Canucks were playing and I was working for Sportsnet getting paid by the game and they get in the playoffs I want seven game series and then I'm going to say, keep winning, keep winning, because I get to keep working. That's what I mean by benefit. Yeah, people think we're too hard on the Canucks, but really, we're very selfish people at the core of it. And we want the Canucks to go far, because it means more for us. Right? Heck yeah. And that's what it comes down to. If it means it's more been, to me, it's great. It's been too long, man. This city needs yeah. playoff hockey again. I, I don't count the bubble. We the need city, another riot. The city needs yeah. playoff. Well, well, we haven't, well, had, <laughs> haven't had a riot. Part. Part. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't but, had a riot since 2011. I'm kind of feeling we're leaving something out here. So The city needs playoff hockey back for sure, though. It's just there's nothing else like it. The bubble didn't... Satisfy you? No, <laughs> it did not. It didn't feel real. I don't count it. The bubble I mean, this, wasn't real. It really real. needs yeah. like the last, like all the way back to 2015. The city needs playoff. As short as that was, this it was fun. The city needs playoff hockey back. And the bubble wasn't. I would. It wouldn't have liked it. It was here anyway because there's still nobody in no, the stands. It didn't, but it didn't feel real. It's like it was no, so, you need. You're so ho- disconnected from it. All. You need home games in the playoffs. Like yeah. the city wasn't going bonkers over the Canucks no, in the bubble. It's a completely different experience. You know it. Like people that people that have not lived here that long and have not experienced playoff hockey when the Canucks are in it, the city is a completely different animal. Like it's so cool, mm-hmm. so much fun. I'm very excited for people to be excited about the team. Yeah, that's how I would. Oh, it's it. great. And and how you we talked about this before on the show as well. How invested you get? Mm-hmm. Like I actually cared last night that the Canucks lost. Whereas in previous seasons, by this point, I'd be like sort pretty much checked out. You know, whatever. Who cares? Draft picks and all that. But I'm actually invested in the team right now, and I get bothered, really bothered, when they don't play well because I know that this year's team is really good and they have the potential to go far. They will be in the playoffs. I don't know how far they're going. It depends who they're playing in the first round, as an example, and or second. Oh, yeah, I'd be shocked if they didn't make it. <laughs> hot take. Hot take. Oh, yeah, that's our hot take one, by the way. Yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. I don't think it's a hot take. I mean, yeah, if the Canucks, were to, if the Canucks were to miss the playoffs oh, at this point, there'd have to be some insane blow up like it, it won't happen they're, no. they're in there for sure they're in the playoffs for they sure. will make the playoffs yeah. even if they start okay. to 
Even if they start to struggle, they've got enough points on the board to still sneak into the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, I think they're, they're going to be fine. They're but, but like you said, matchups and all that, Like we'll see how far they go. We'll see how far they go. Let's see what Rutherford and the boys do down the stretch, too, of trying to beef things up for this hockey club as well. Stay with us. Moj is coming up next. Why would you go anywhere? I'm Brooke. That's Josh. We got an A-Dog. We got a laddie. We're doing the damage here for you. The morning show, No Halford and Bruff. They're back next week. By the way, oh, hit us up, too, for Ask Us Anything. We can use some more Ask Us Anythings. So we'll get to them as we cruise along. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Canucks are a lock, folks. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Moj. I did not eat four burgers. Yes, it's the Moj. I don't want to go to Winnipeg. Nobody wants to go to Winnipeg. Yes, I love food. It's the Moj. I went online and kind of did a little surfing. Jamalaya. Yes, it's the Moj. Halford's fine, but, you know, Bruff is just grumpy all the time. Moj, 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 You can't get enough Moj. No one can get enough Moj. Moj coming up in just a moment. Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. Ask us anything coming up later, too. There's a $100 gift certificate on the line. For the selected Ask Us Anything, Andy, is it the best one or is it just like random? Yeah, the best Ask Us okay. Anything. So, In, in give, your opinion. Yeah, give us your Ask Us Anythings. Make sure you include the ticket emoji. That's very important. And you'll be entered in to potentially win a $100 AJ's Pizza gift card. Sweet. And I was just there the other night with my dad and my brother. Can confirm, as per usual, it is the best pizza in Vancouver. And open on New Year's Eve yeah. to first come, first serve. Open at eleven thirty in always, the morning. Always a party there. Like honestly, like they're just I've never been there when they're not jammed. Like they just they're always just full of people. You gotta get in there, man. It's awesome. Also, sure what, get... what better way to ring in the near than stuffing your face with some pizza? Perfect. I mean that sounds good to me. Perfect. Yeah. Sounds good to everybody. Moj is here, presentation of West Coast Auto Group. Speaking of stuffing your face with pizza, hi Moj. How you doing, buddy? That could be every Friday night for me, I guess. New Year's <laughs> Eve. So <laughs> not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Check it out. Hey, man, uh, Canucks game last night might have been a bad thing. What was your take on a 4-1 loss to Philly last night, Moj? Well, I think the big thing is expect to see more types of games like these, and I'm not talking about the Canucks losing 4-1, but just the style of play. Um, you know, as teams come out of the break and start ramping up for the playoffs, two things are going to happen. Number one is the teams that are battling for playoff spots are going to be playing with more intensity. And teams that even do have playoff spots secured are going to be focusing on defensive structure and playing stifling hockey like you'd see in the playoffs. So ice becomes, uh, I should say, space and time on the ice becomes a premium. And, and Rick, talk, uh, Rick Tockett talked about it after the game last night. So did John Tortorella. He said the exact same thing. He said, you know, we've been playing a certain style in winning hockey games, and I've kind of let the guys get away with it, but we're going to start focusing a lot more on the defensive side of the game. So the big thing that the Canucks have to do, and, and Rick Tockett talked about this as well, is they got to be patient. They, they can't try to force things. And I think a prime example is Nikita Zadorov on that second goal uh, by Farabee where, you know, he's trying to stick handle through the, like over the red line with two flyers on him instead of either passing the puck to Myers or just chipping it ahead into the zone. So, You've got to play patient. You've got to play within the structure. And Tockett made a great point. You've got to be comfortable playing a 0-0 game. You can't get frustrated. And it's funny he mentioned that because 
you know, guys, I mean, we're not talking about something that's new. Go back to the, the, the years that the Canucks played the Minnesota Wild when they had the West Coast Express. And I'll never forget talking to Brendan Morrison, actually not even in the locker room, but in the tunnel as he was leaving the building. And he, and this was after they got knocked out by Minnesota. I've never seen a player that frustrated with how an opposing team played. And that's the one thing that you've got to overcome. You can't get frustrated. You have to be patient. You just have to stay within yourself and try to get it done. And talk had mentioned last night, too, games, as you're talking about, Moj, games are going to get tougher in the second half as teams ramp things up. Sizable teams are what concerns me with Vancouver, and they can make moves, certainly, in the second half to try and get a little more grit if they think they need it. But do you think they need a little more grit, or will just basically sizable teams that come at them, maybe like Philadelphia last night, could that be an issue for Vancouver moving forward? Well, we're going to find out. I mean, you know, the jury's still out on that one. Um, you know, I don't know how much you can do in terms of modifying your roster. I mean, bringing in one or two players, is that going to make that much of a difference? I don't think so. I think the players that you have on your roster have to learn how to play that type of game and be more patient. So bringing in one or two players, I don't really think is going to be the answer. I mean, <laughs> Now, don't get me wrong, bringing in two quality players certainly is going to help things, but I'm talking about just everyone on that team just having to learn how to be patient, having to learn how to play that style of game and how to have, and basically grind through games like that. So, you know, it's great if you want to bring in one or two good players to, to kind of help out in that regard, but the improvement's going to have to come with, uh, internally. One thing coaches have kind of talked about in the past as well is that it takes about halfway through the season for teams, especially after a coaching change, to really find what their identity is. Do you think the Canucks have found what their identity is for this season? I think so. And, you know, the the one thing about the Canucks, though, and the one thing I love about Rick Tockett is, uh, you know, the more I hear from Tockett, the more you talk to him, the more you see him in, in these media sessions is it, it's always about resetting. It's always about refocusing and it's always about striving to improve and striving to get better. Um, there's never any level of satisfaction. There's never any level of, okay, we've kind of reached a certain goal and we're okay. Um, he's a guy that just keeps pushing his team to get better and you know the great communicator goes out there and you know we were talking about it last week with Halford and Bruff about how they've got all these coaches out there always talking with players like you know every second or third day I mean you're not going to have a player on that team that's going to go two three weeks without talking to a coach so that's one thing that I love about this staff is that they're always striving to improve and striving to to fix things and get better. So when you talk about the identity of this team, um, yeah, I mean, this is a team with a lot of offensive skill, right? I mean, you, you look at the Pedersons, the Millers, you know, Quinn Hughes. Um, is it, does it have the identity of a team that can grind out three, two wins? Not right now, but that's not to say that it can't happen. You mentioned Pedersen, and we talked a bit about him earlier in the show, and the text box got a little divisive. Have you? Do you have any concerns about the way Elias Pedersen is playing right now? No. I mean, for me, seasons are ebbs and flows. I mean, there's ups and downs, right? And, you know, uh, has he played his best hockey right now? No. I mean, we saw what he did maybe, what, the first 15 games of the season. So 
Um, there's plenty of time for him to turn it around and, and get it going. But, you know, there's a case of another guy who, who's just going to have to learn how to grind it out and play through these games. And, you know, here, here's the interesting thing. When you look at players throughout the history of the National Hockey League, um, you're going to see a lot of players that put up monster numbers, but their teams didn't necessarily do that well. And then all of a sudden, a coach comes along that stresses defense and says, hey, if we want to win, this is what we got to do. The numbers go down, yet the team winds up winning. And a classic example is a guy like Steve Eiserman with the Detroit Red Wings. Go back, take a look at his numbers. The guy was putting up all of these monster numbers. And all of a sudden, when defense is stressed with the likes of Scotty Bowman, all of a sudden those numbers go down, but the team wins, right? So there, there has to, it's almost like you have to sacrifice offense sometimes. And, you know, in, in case of Pedersen, I, I think one of the things that you want to see from him is just being able to grind through situations like last night and finding a way to, you know, set up a goal or, or do something to help that Canuck team win. So, to me, when I look at a player like Elias Patterson, uh, I, I think of a player who, yeah, he's got tremendous offensive skills, but at the same time, he's going to have to learn how to become a, a great defensive player. And I'm talking a great defensive player if this team wants to have some, well, great success. When's the last time Canucks, or have they ever, Moj, had a coaching staff with this much depth to it? I know there's a lot of bodies there, but there's some quality coaches they have right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can go to a practice and see sometimes seven coaches on the ice, right? And it's almost like they've kind of taken a, a little bit of a page out of that football model where, you know, you have specific position coaches, and the Canucks kind of have that. I mean, you know, you go to a practice, the Sedins are working with the forwards, the Foots working with the defense, Ian Clark with the goaltenders. So um, a lot of specific instruction for these players. So I, I love it. I mean, obviously coming from a football background, and seeing how it works in football, uh, I think I, I've always wondered why there hasn't been more of that in hockey. And what it allows is not necessarily just like in terms of your scheme and what you have to do, but it, like I know in football, you work on your individual techniques. You know, it's one thing to go out there and say, okay, this defensive end has to, you know, cancel this gap in this certain running situation. Well, when you're working with the defensive line coach, yeah, we all know that you've got to cancel, say, the guard tackle gap. But he teaches you how to do it, like, you know, your footwork, your technique, your hand placement, your positioning, all of that, right? All of that individual technique. And I think that's what you're starting to see in hockey as well. Moj is with us, presentation of the West Coast Auto Group, switching gears over to football. We can get to the Seahawks uh, in a moment if you like, but Nathan Rourke, I wanted to get your impression, my friend, of Nathan Rourke now being a, at least a member of the uh, the New England Patriots. Is it a good fit for him? What do you think about that move? Well, I think it's a good fit in the sense that, you know, you don't have Trevor Lawrence sitting at quarterback, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> so is there a path to playing time? Yeah, it's not going to happen this year. Um the, the big thing uh, about Rourke right now is, and it's not necessarily even learning the offense, teams don't reinvent the wheel when it comes to offense and defensive packages. Yeah, I mean, you're going to add certain wrinkles and stuff. The biggest challenge Nathan Rourke faces right now is just learning the verbiage that the New England Patriots use on offense, right? So he's a quick study. He'll pick it up quick, but I don't think he's going to pick it quick enough that he'll be able to get in there and, 
you know, play quarterback for the Patriots. Maybe he does. Maybe they, you know, at a certain point they figure, well, let's see what he's got and give him a limited package. Um, obviously the Patriots have to find out what they have for next year. It's not like they're playing for a playoff spot, but that's his biggest challenge right now is picking up that verbiage. And the quicker he can pick that up, the faster he'll be able to show what he's got. Be interesting moving forward. I know he knew the, the risks of going to the NFL in the first place, whether he's going to find playing time mode. But if you get into the next year, midway through the season, I still haven't played. There's still a football player in you, right? Whether you're getting paid or not, wants to play. So that's why I'm going to look at eventually how much longer will, if he does not get the playing time, how much longer he'd be willing to invest in not playing the game he loves. I give him at least one more year in the National Football League. And then, you know, you're looking at a situation where you're actually going to probably wind up making more money in the Canadian Football League and coming back and, you know, making some coin. But the, the big thing is, you're right. I mean, players want to compete. They want to play, right? I mean, that's, that's what they – I don't think you're going to find a player at any sport, at any level that goes through everything that they do to prepare and then not be able to play. You want – I mean, that's in your DNA, Right. Um, we're talking professional sports. We're not talking high school or, or even college sometimes where we have what we call jacket wearers, right? Like guys that just want to be on the team so they can walk around the hallways in school with the jacket, right? So it's, it's a situation where, you know, there's going to come a point where his competitiveness says, okay, I want to start playing some games again. So I'll give him another year at least and then go from there. Uh, we'll get to the Seahawks, but I wanted to ask uh, your take on the Russell Wilson situation in Denver right now. What do you think like went wrong with Russ and the Broncos and Sean Payton, I guess? I just think it's, to me, guys, I just think it's more of a personality issue between, and maybe even a philosophical issue between Wilson and Payton, because you look at the Broncos right now, they're such a mess in the sense that Okay, first off, Russell Wilson's numbers, I mean, I, I think he's in the top 10 in most categories. It's not like he's completely bombed this year, right? But what are the Broncos going to do? They're going to have all of this dead space, dead cap money. They've got no draft picks left because they basically traded, you know, a lot of their draft capital away, um, well, for Peyton and for Russell Wilson. So... They're in that mushy middle, as we like to say. So it, 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 they're not going to get anything in the draft this year. I mean, most of the quarterbacks will be gone by the time the Broncos have an opportunity to pick one. Um, so it, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all works out. But, man, you know, not playing them for the last two games, I, I just wonder how much irreparable damage there's been there. And, you know, what? It, you know, how are you going to trade Russell Wilson? Who's going to take that contract, right? So it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how that situation plays out in Denver. Definitely. And his former team, the Seahawks, taking on the Steelers this week. What do you want to see from Seattle as they gear up, If should they make the playoffs, for the playoffs? Well, I think defensively they, they've got to do a better job, and I think they've done that. I think Brady Henderson made a great tweet the other day talking with Clint Hurt, the Seahawks defensive coordinator. Um, and that is the fact that they've just done a better job of tackling, right? you got to realize that in a lot of situations in a game, especially when you're playing man-to-man, um, you break one tackle and you're off to the races, right? The, the big thing that defenses have to do, at least the first guy there can't be a complete whiff. He has to either make the tackle or at least 
buy time for help to arrive, right? And, and to me, that's one of the keys on defense we always talk about, you know, getting hats to the ball, you know, getting players around the football. And Brady Henderson, I thought, made a great point with that with the Seahawks, that they've done a much better job of that in the last few weeks, and that's something that they have to do defensively moving forward. Well, at least they're at home to Pittsburgh this week, so hopefully the 12th man will help. Uh, Steelers lost 3 of 4, but they did win last week. Then you got 3 and 12 Arizona. I hope there's wins in there. You might get Witherspoon and Adams back as well, Mode. So there should be a win in there somewhere. But the key one, obviously, win on home turf. Don't let Pittsburgh come in and take that game on Sunday. Yeah, and you know, the other thing, too, with Arizona guys, even when the Seahawks had Super Bowl caliber teams, Arizona, for whatever reason, always kind of sneaks up on it, particularly in Arizona, right? So um, that's a game that even though you're talking about a, a, a very poor Arizona team when you look at the record, but for whatever reason, divisional rival. And here's the other thing, too. When you have a team like Arizona taking on Seattle late in the season, I mean, this almost becomes their playoff game, their Super Bowl sometimes. And I think that's a, one of the reasons why Arizona's had success against the Seahawks in the past is because they've treated it as such a big game. So it's going to be interesting to see, but clearly the Seahawks have to run the table here and see how it, you know, see how the chips fall when it's all said and done. Cardinals two and 10 in their last 12 as well, but uh, we shall see there's games to play. I can't let you go. My final question. I asked this earlier. I'm not a fan of the tush push. I'd like to see it outlawed. I don't think it's in the spirit of the game. I don't want to see anyone get on the one-yard line and know they're going to score, Moj. I know you have to find a way to stop it, but Jace, at the moment, it's you know they're basically going to score. Are you a tush push fan? I hate it. I think it's garbage. And I also think what we're seeing now in football when you see these ball carriers that you know appear to be stopped, and all of a sudden, three offensive linemen come in and push the pile like five yards. And I'm talking about, you know, a running back five yards down the field, or a reception eight or nine yards down the field. And these running or these offensive linemen come running into the pile, and all of a sudden, now it's another five yards. I mean, we saw it in the Bills game last week. I think I tweeted on it. Well, I know I tweeted on it. I, I, you know, it's it's football. It's not rugby. And Roger Goodell has come out and talked about the tush push, and I know he's not a fan of it. So hopefully, during the off season. The rules committee um, does something to, you know, penalize teams because it is in the rules. They're just not enforcing it. And I think the other thing, too, when when you look at it, I mean, people will look at it and say, well, hey, more yardage means more offense. We always know that the NFL wants to have more offense in its games, but not not this way. I mean, uh, it's just no. It, it's And you know what I see happening next, guys? Coaches are smart. They're always looking for – how something can evolve. I mean, when you look at a series of plays on offense, there's always progression off of those plays. And what we mean is you run one play, and then maybe on the next play, hey, guess what? And I'll give you an example. You run a dive, then you run a fake dive, quarterback boots out, keeps it himself. Then maybe you have a fake dive, quarterback rolls out, now he throws it. So that's what we call like a progression in the game, a progression of plays. I could actually see somehow some way one of these scrums happening and the ball carrier perhaps turning around and flipping a ball just like you see in rugby <laughs> and somebody's off to the races i can see that happening because coaches aren't stupid they they're always trying to figure out how to get an edge so it, it's just like i said i'm just not a fan of it i hope they do something to get rid of it because i like football the way football has been played in the past and hopefully it's played in the future
Uh, before we let you go, we got to get an Ask Us Anything in. Uh, this one from Dan. I'm going to a New Year's Eve house party and need to bring an appy. What should Dan bring? Oh. Well, it depends. I mean, here's the one thing about appies. Like, everyone takes the cheap way out, right? And they'll go to Costco and they'll pick up egg rolls or whatever. I mean, you've got, like, that whole section at Costco that has appies, right? I'm not a fan of stuff that comes out of a freezer or is deep fried and then comes out of a freezer. Do a little work. Make some meatballs. How's that for? I think meatballs would be a great appy, right? Go get a little veal, a little pork, mix it up, you know, have your own, you know, go online, find a nice little recipe for meatballs, crank it up with some tomato sauce. Boom, done. That's an appy. That, I like, you know, I'd go to a party and go, I'd want some of that, right? I mean, Come on. I mean, egg rolls and all of these other, like, you know, the thing I can't stand that I think is absolutely gross, and I love jalapeno, but those deep-fried jalapeno poppers with cheese, hard pass. Cheap way out. Don't do it. Why do you not own a restaurant, Moj? I should. Come on, man. You just do the menu, even. You don't even have to cook. Yeah. Put a little work into it because guess what? It's like anything. The more you invest, the better off you're going to be. You can go down to Costco, run around, buy a whole bunch of stuff out of the freezer section. Nah, 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 nah. I know that'd be my yeah, speed. Yeah, yeah. Take some meat. Take some meat. Make a make a charcuterie board, right? You, I you met, when I look at you, I think charcuterie board. That's what I think. Many different types oh, I of love cheese. Charcuterie boards. <laughs> they're, 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 they're very the good. Best. Yeah. Thanks, Moj. You're the best. Appreciate hey guys, it. If you're going to take something to a New Year's Eve party, take Moj. That's what you want to do. Thanks, Moj. Happy New Year to you. Moj brought to you by West Coast Auto Group. Great service, great selection, just over the bridge in Maple Ridge. Is that supposed to rhyme? Because it does. Uh, it'd be interesting if they wrote it there. You're a way. poet and you didn't even know it. I know. Thank you, buddy. Uh, anyway, just over the bridge in Maple Ridge. I assume that's supposed to run. In Maple Ridge, just over the bridge. I think you got it. West Coast Auto Group. We would like more of your submissions for Ask Us Anything. And you put your, what do you call it, a, a coupon sticker in there? A, a dog? What do you call it? You put something. Ticket emoji. Ticket, Ticket emoji. emoji. Okay, coupon sticker. Put the coupon sticker in there, too. Guys. I'm it's new okay. here. Okay, coupon sticker. Ticket, Ticket emoji on your what's uh, uh, Ask Us Anything. Because some people are doing it on what we learned, but you, or what we learned, but you can put it on Ask Us Anything. There is a $100 GC at AG's Pizza Joint, Brooklyn Pizza Joint, too. Well, worth your efforts. Ask Us Anything as we cruise on the Dunbar Lumber Text Line, 650-650. Randeep is going to join us. Randeep Janda. We'll talk about the Canucks and other things cruising around the NHL on the other side. Stay with us. That is two periods of play in the books. Third period about to come your way right here, Sportsnet 650.